The Kingdom of Morocco is situated on Africa's northwest coast. Roughly the size of California, it borders the Mediterranean Sea and the North Atlantic Ocean. The high Atlas Mountains shield its placid coastline from the unforgiving Sahara Desert. The crossroads of the ancient Arab, Berber, Jewish, and Western European spheres, Morocco boasts a potpourri of religions and cultures. However, in this diversity exists contradiction. Straddling past and present, the nation teeters between ultra-progressive on some fronts and repressively conservative on others. Climate change is already sapping Morocco's dwindling underground water supply and ravaging the crops that account for 68% of the land area. Yet, the nation's climate resilience policy is light years ahead of the United States. Their climate legislation is swift and unflinching. They've lifted all subsidies on fossil fuels, turned their agricultural process on its head, incentivized farmers, and pledged to derive more than 50% of their energy from renewable resources by 2030. Meanwhile, our country is still hung up on carbon-belching coal mines and grass-fed cows. On the other hand, women's rights in Morocco leave much to be desired. Constrained by conservative Muslim views and a deeply patriarchal society, girls and women are less likely to be educated, employed, and literate. Morocco is the nexus of many influences, both positive and negative, but the interplay between two seemingly unconnected forces is surfacing today, climate change and gender. One nonprofit organization centers itself in the intersection of the two. The High Atlas Foundation is a Moroccan association dedicated to human development initiatives as they pertain to sustainability and climate change. The foundation promotes environmental stewardship education, women's and youth empowerment, sustainable agriculture, and human health. I spoke to the foundation's program director, who has worked with High Atlas since 2014, founded a women's cooperative, and led an initiative titled Women Leading Solutions on the Front Lines of Climate Change. Hi, my name is Anjan Hajjani. I am director with High Atlas Foundation. I asked Amina to tell me about her women's empowerment program, a capacity building project that guided five women in the creation of their own agricultural initiative. We're talking for days about emotion, relationship, body, money, spirituality, and sexuality. Amina says that the women were proud to manage the nursery independently of men. In rural area, uh, mostly men work in agriculture, not women. Mm -hmm. But we gave them many training and experience, showed them how to plant, how to irrigate, how to weed. Amina explained to me that the women were unfamiliar with the new drip irrigation system adopted by Morocco in order to fight climate change and drought. Irrigation consumes up to 85% of the nation's water supply. The women's nursery also planted 30,000 fruit trees, replacing fragile, soil-eroding cereal crops with drought-resilient fruit, olive, and almond trees is central to Morocco's climate change response initiative. By substituting rain-fed, tillage-demanding crops with indigenous trees, the nation is able to reconnect with its roots while conserving water. And more than 50% of the land of Morocco, it's need to planting by trees. So uh, we, it's like we need more trees because 
Three, drink water. It's like one of the solution to drink water mm -hmm. to do land and uh, also to stop erosion. Yeah, as Morocco adopts these strategies to adapt to climate change, um, are there any traditions or cultures that are sort of being lost in the process as it kind of becomes more sustainable? Morocco in the past, mostly, even its tradition, they working in sustainability. So they using a lot of technique in the past, but now they lost it, but they come back to those tools, for example. So it's not new for Morocco, but uh, we need to come back to some tradition in the past to protect our environment. I asked Amina how climate change disproportionately and uniquely affects women in Morocco. She explained that water scarcity is particularly dangerous for rural Moroccan women who are responsible for collecting water for the household. Rainfall is predicted to decrease by 50% by 2050 in Morocco. Women, who often carry 20 liters of water at a time, are forced to travel further to reach potable sources. Along the way, they are increasingly susceptible to violence and sexual assault. Water collection is taking a mental toll, too. Young women report feelings of isolation and loss of freedom as they withdraw from the community in order to complete the grueling journey to the pump. According to the High Atlas Foundation, water collection is drawing girls away from educational opportunities. Children may be forced to work for up to 32 hours a week, and more and more girls are dropping out of school in order to help their mothers deal with a workload made increasingly taxing by climate change-related warming weather and drought conditions. In order to combat this, the High Atlas Foundation has implemented 19 clean drinking water systems in Morocco's most remote villages, improving water access for over 9,000 individuals and bridging the economic gap between rural and urban communities. It will be great if women can lead in projects concerning agriculture and can lead projects concerning environmental because it, uh, if you're working, it's like in like this project, you will be succeed because they work hard. And like with some result, we know that it they will be succeed in those projects. Women in Morocco are, in fact, beginning to take the fight against climate change into their own hands. Around 10,000 Moroccan women work in the fishing industry, most of them ages 45 to 60. At dawn, these women scramble along a path that hugs the base of Morocco's coastal cliffs. Their expedition is six miles each way, but the women are determined to return home with baskets of gleaming shellfish to be cleaned, sun-dried, and sold. The tradition is handed down from generation to generation of women who wade into the ocean for more than five hours a day in order to scour the sharp rocks for shellfish. Though risky and grueling, the women value the process. It provides them with centuries of anecdotal data of the Moroccan aquatic ecosystem as it evolves over time. In the past decade, these women have observed the degradation of the marine environment due to climate change. They've adapted their fishing practices in order to be more sustainable and protect the environment they depend on for their livelihoods. For instance, they use solar ovens instead of forest firewood to cook the shellfish now. Once again, the interplay between tradition and progress, climate change and economy, culture and gender gives rise to a curious amalgam of impacts on these women. 
Though empowered by their economic independence and culturally significant occupation, climate change is putting their lives and livelihoods at risk. Amina told me about the ways the High Atlas Foundation is empowering individuals whose lives and incomes are deeply dependent on the environment. Through agricultural workshops, the High Atlas Foundation encourages farmers to take part in customs such as building terraces to prevent runoff, using organic fertilizers, and planting trees in public spaces to combat climate change. For High Atlas Foundation, mostly we have its like project named Science Project, and mostly it's like we did a workshop about environmental and how to protect environmental, and we plant with them trees every year. So it's like, um, and in books we have this like uh, education, um, sensibilization about uh, climate change also. I asked Amina about climate education in Morocco, whether Moroccan children are taught about climate change in school and whether the population is aware of the situation. We cannot see all, but uh, mostly the people who it's like facing climate change, they know. Even they are not educated, but they know. Because when we talk with some people, uh, for example, personally is not educated, they say these 10 years, past 10 years, uh, the climate has changed. Everyone knowing that it changed. But uh, why some people know it and some people are not knowing why it's changed? As Amina explained earlier, sustainability is already woven into Moroccan culture. It is also apparent that Moroccan cultural values influence the way that the community interacts with the environment. For example, water is split equitably between farmers based on the size of their property in order to ensure that none goes to waste. Citizens build dams called okuk that preferentially channel water to mountaintop residences where it is the most scarce. Sustainable agricultural practices like these are a part of Moroccan tradition that dates back to the Neolithic farmers who gathered wild seeds and planted the first domesticated cereal crops at the beginning of Moroccan society. Through agricultural workshops, the High Atlas Foundation encourages farmers to circle back to these traditional, sustainable customs, such as building terraces to prevent runoff, using organic fertilizers, and planting trees in public spaces to combat climate change. However, sustainability is neither as intuitive nor as integral to many other cultures as it is to Morocco. Amina emphasized that climate change is a worldwide fight that needs to be solved with cooperation and urgency. It's a problem here, but it's facing other kinds. Environmental or climate change, it's like we are in one room. It's like uh, COVID. When the COVID started, it's not just in one country, but it's facing a world. The same for climate change. Furthermore, Amina believes that women are central to the creation of a climate-resilient planet. Women, they add power. They need just to use this power for climate change. At a speech that Amina delivered at an event empowering women to fight climate change, she said, I approach women all over the world with the message that they themselves have the power to fight climate change more than others, and that they can only do that through confidence that they can be the change makers. Thank you to Ms. Amina El-Hajami, and thanks for listening to Changing Planet Justice.